So why don't you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, and let's see how far we can get. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Not maybe, but the yes in the anointed one. Everything that you get flows from your spirit, man. All the promises of God, all God's plan and purposes, they come because you are in Christ Jesus. You are in the anointed one and he is in you. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So Jesus paid the price. We get to say amen and God gets the glory. Now it's God who makes both us and you stand first. I'm getting ahead of myself. Stand firm in the anointed one. He makes us stand firm in Christ. Where does Christ dwell? In our spirit man. He makes us stand firm in Christ. And he has anointed us. Say with me, I am. am. Say it loud. I am am. anointed. Anointed. You are. You are anointed. Christ lives in your spirit. And he has set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our heart or our spirit. He's put his spirit in our spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The moment you got born again, the Holy Spirit came into your spirit as a deposit of the great things to come. As a foretaste of all that he's going to do in your life. Holy Spirit right now is working and moving and shaping your spirit, getting you ready for the greatest days of your life. One of the things that hold the believers back today is they're more body conscious. So we wake up in the morning, and this is not a bad thing, by the way, because you know my old saying is, if the barn door, the barn door needs to paint, you know, you paint the barn door, you 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 put the makeup on, you do all those sorts of things. But we're more body conscious than spirit conscious. We spend all this time getting ourselves prepared for church and making sure we've got the right outfit that it matches. And, you know, in our household, you know, I may go through three changes of clothes before I get ticked off by my wife, my daughters and my sons. And it's always difficult because they all disagree. So if you saw my bedroom floor, it's covered some days in shoes and pants and clothes and... So we're body conscious and we're soul conscious. We're conscious of our mind, our will and our emotions, our feelings, our our choices, our mind, the thoughts. We're very familiar with our bodies, with our soul, but not so familiar with our spirit. So we develop the soul and the body, but we leave this thing called the spirit man largely untouched. We know a couple of things about the spirit, that when we get born again, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. And when we die and go to heaven, our spirit goes up to be with the Lord. And that's about all we know when it comes to the body of Christ. And Paul in his writings to the church often talks about this progressive move to go from the natural man to the carnal man to the spiritual man. That there's a progression that God wants us to move into. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 says, I brethren, and I brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as the carnal, as the babies in Christ. The natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. And we're in 
a dispensation where God is revealing to his church what does it mean to be a spiritual man. Or, and when I use the term spiritual man, it's for men and women. But what does it mean to be spiritual? What does it mean to live from the spirit man? How do I engage my spirit with God's spirit? And if you were to ask me, Andrew, what's the one thing that you are trying to achieve or to grow in or to develop? I would say it is to locate, to nurture, to feed and to develop my spirit man. That's the one thing that is my quest right now, is to locate it, is to develop it, is to educate it, train it and release it. God says that he's a spirit and those that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So that tells me that maybe in some churches, some places, there's a whole lot of activity taking place. But it doesn't mean it's always spirit to spirit. It can be fleshly, it can be carnal, it can be that of the mind. And it's not that we don't engage our mind because we engage our will to worship God. But there must be a deeper place where we connect with the mind and the heart of God and it's spirit to spirit. That's why the writer says, deep calls to deep. Is this making sense to people? Yeah. Yeah. Is it going over your head or going into your heart? So the natural man, if you're taking notes, is one who has never passed out of death into life. Have you got that? The natural man has never passed out of death into life. He is spiritually dead. Unbelievers or those that haven't yet received Jesus don't like to hear this, but here's the truth. If you're not born again, you are spiritually dead. You are under the, the authority of Satan and Satan is spiritually dead. There is no life in him. And before you're born again, you have a human spirit, but it is dead to God. The Bible says that you are without hope and you are alienated from the life of God. Are you hearing this? There is no life. I remember as a, when I had a real job before I became a pastor, <laughs> that um, you know, I'd get to work on Monday and there'd be all the guys, you know, you know, being boozing and sleeping around and going to the snowfields and amazing life. And what did you do, Andrew? I went to church. Ah, you know, what a boring life you've got. Blah blah blah. You know, and, and they it just seems so cool. And so many Christians are put off by this smokescreen of what life is about. So we walk away being intimidated, you know, my life really is terrible. Like these guys are having so much fun. They're sleeping around and taking drugs and, and you know, life is so amazing for them. But here's the truth. And this is why I had great success in sharing my faith amongst the most um, like carnal, not carnal, the most dead to, to God people is because I could see through their lie. And when I got them on their own, they began to pour out their heart that their life wasn't so great. And after they had, you know, sex with, you know, multiple women and taken drugs and all those sorts of things, they were empty inside because they are under the authority of a master that is spiritually dead. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundant. He is a source of life. Without Jesus, anything you put in is just taken from it. It's like, a, you know, I use the analogy of a new car. You buy a new car and it smells beautiful. You drive it around, you polish it, you do all those amazing things. And after about, oh, I don't know, a month, the smell goes because the kids have been in there with McDonald's. You know, a bird's pooped on the, on the roof and it's no longer shiny. 
You lose interest because it's a whole lot of work to keep it clean. And that which was to bring you life is now taking life from you. It's costing you money. You've got to wash it. It no longer invigorates you. And that's the whole thing about life. Everything apart from God takes life from you. Only God is a self for other gods. He's the one that replenishes life. He is the source of abundant life. So the natural man knows not the things of God. He's spiritually cut off from God. His spirit is dead to God. So when you share your faith with other people, you need to understand that the natural man is without hope and alienated from the life of God. He's spirit. He has a spirit. He's made in the image of God, but that spirit is dead to God. And it needs, the only way your spirit comes alive to God is by the work of the Holy Ghost. He makes our spirit alive. And the Holy Spirit will never go where Jesus hasn't been. He rests on the life of Jesus. When Jesus came, the Spirit of God descended as like a dove and remained on Jesus. So the only way to get the Holy Spirit into your spirit is to invite Jesus to come into your spirit. He paid the price so your spirit could be reborn. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that you need to be born again. That which is of the flesh is flesh and that which is of the spirit is spirit. And every person must be born again, born twice, born of flesh, born of a mother and father, and then born of the spirit. And if you hear my voice today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you first step on the, on the pathway to abundant life and fulfillment is to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, to ask Jesus to make your spirit that is dead to God alive to him. Amen. So I encourage you, if you have people that don't know God, invite them, explain to them the process of being born again. Isn't that exciting? So that's the natural man. Say natural man. So Paul talks about the natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. Number two, the carnal man. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as babies in Christ. Imagine Paul coming today and speaking to the church. Right? Oh, you unruly mob. I could not speak to you as spiritual, but as to carnal. Is this a message to the church today? As to babies in Christ. You know, I've talked to some Christians, and as soon as you begin to talk about anything that resembles even a slight degree of spiritual meat or depth, their eyes roll back and they think you're from planet Mars. Because they're feeding on scraps. I fed you with milk and not solid food because until now you were not able to receive it. Say with me, I am ready for the meat. Amen. Woo! And you're still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there's envy and strife and divisions among you, you're carnal and behaving like mere men or behaving like natural man. And a lot of that goes on in the body of Christ that the way we live from the flesh and from the soul realm, we respond to life like a natural man. Someone said to me the other day, if you were convicted of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And that's the truth. When we go to our workplace, some Christians just 
mold themselves into the workforce like they're undercover. Nobody would know that you're a believer. And they get shocked that one day they find out on Facebook that you've got I Love Jesus stickers or something. <laughs> it's like, I didn't know you were one of them. The carnal man is born again, but he lives like a natural man. His outward man dominates his inward man. So in other words, his body, his five physical senses, that which he sees and hears and feels and tastes and touch, his mind, his will and emotions, they are the key driving forces of their life. The unrenewed soul... Educated by the five physical senses, gangs up against the spirit and sets the course of its life. Here's the thing. You've got three parts, spirit, soul and body. And two always beat three, the, the third one. If your body and your soul gang up against your spirit, you will always be carnal. If your spirit and your soul come into agreement, you will have victory. If your spirit and your soul come into alignment, you'll always have victory in your life. If your soul and your body come into agreement, you'll always live as a carnal Christian. That's the war that Paul is talking about here. Natural man, carnal man, spiritual man. And our quest is to bring alignment to the spirit and the soul. I've talked a lot about the soul in the last number of years. And I'll talk a bit about it later because it's a picture of of the bride and the groom, of man and woman coming into alignment. Remember, uh, Paul says that if a, man, a wife and a husband aren't in agreement, their prayers are hindered. And he was not just saying, and that's true relationally, but it's true spiritually. If our spirit and soul are not in alignment, our prayers are hindered. James says we're a double-minded man. And so our spirit's saying one thing and our soul's saying another. And so there's conflict in us spiritually as well as can be conflict relationally. Is this making sense? And that's why it says the woman was deceived, not the man. Not because women are bad. Paul, Paul was saying that there, was, there is a greater analogy that if we live from the soul, we will always live in deception. We'll always pick what seems right naturally rather than right is right spiritually. And the whole picture from creation right through with the man and the woman is a divine dance between soul and spirit. As we see the two come together. What God has joined together, let no man separate. There's supposed to be a coming together of spirit and soul in harmony together. Hmm. Isn't that neat how God does that? See... Here's a theory. Now, some of this is just theory and you can take it or leave it. But when Adam was created and Eve, they were spirit beings made in the likeness of God. I believe they were light beings. God said, let there be light and there was light. He, he spoke himself into a dark world. John 1 says that in Jesus was life and that life was the light of man. His life, his spirit life was given as a form of light into man. Yeah. And it says the light came and the darkness could not overpower it. Amen. Another story for another day. But Adam, when he came to earth, when he was formed in earth, there's a belief that he wasn't dominated by his five physical senses. He didn't need to operate out of them 
because we have five physical senses, but in, in the same degree we have five spiritual senses. Some people say six. But the fact was he was living from a higher realm. He didn't need his physical senses to survive or to thrive on earth. In fact, it was after he fell that the physical senses became alive because he had to see when his enemy came in the form of a lion. He had to hear when the giraffes were about to stampede over the top of him. Everything, everything in the natural became heightened because now he was living in a fallen state and he needed natural senses to survive. But previously, he'd operated at a spiritual level and used his spiritual senses to move about. The carnal man, his physical senses are heightened. What they hear, see, touch. All, all the information that's coming into the, their world that's defining them is by what they can experience naturally. So you get a bad call. Someone rings you up and abuses you. You get a bill in the mail. And your physical senses react to that and your whole day's messed up. And your spirit man is saying, hello, it's me you're looking for. <laughs> Are you getting this? You can always locate a carnal Christian. You'll hear this phrase, well, common sense would tell you. Carnal Christians live by common sense. One plus one equals two. But where in the Bible do you read that you should walk by common sense? It says we walk by faith and not by sight. It says as many are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Not as many are led by their common sense. They, and, and so many Christians, if you are able to get into their world, most of their decisions are made by common sense, by physical reality, by what, you know, if you lined up their decision making, it's identical to the world. Mm, that's, right. that's why some of them refuse to give. It's very quiet here because it's not common sense. So in my workplace, again, when I was a printer, people would, I don't know how they found out, but they'd say, do you tithe? It's amazing what non-Christians find out. Absolutely. Well, you're mad. How can you tithe? Because it doesn't make sense to the natural mind. You can't pick up the... So they'd read the Bible and it never makes sense because this Bible is spirit to spirit. My words are spirit and they are life. You can't understand it in your head. You don't understand. It's not common sense to give away 10% and more. But in the kingdom of God, it's more blessed to give than it's received. That when you give, he says, I'll give back to you, press down Satan and get the run out of life. And I'm more blessed than all those people that didn't tithe. They're always broke, always miserable. And here I was coming into work on Monday, happy, cheerful, having given my tithe, having been in the house of the Lord today. They're all bleary-eyed and living it up. And here I have got this most adorable wife bringing me lunch. And I'm telling you, they were jealous. They were jealous of my lifestyle. But that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. And that's why it says in Luke 17, I'm keeping an eye on the time, that the sense realm, the disciples say 
to Jesus, increase our faith. And he tells this bizarre parable, which I've told you before. And you need to read it to really get this into your spirit. This parable is incredibly profound. And he talks about the unprofitable servant, that when the master comes in and the servant's been working all day, the master doesn't make dinner for the servant. He makes the servant make dinner for him. And most of the body of Christ go, oh, that's so sad. How, what a terrible master. He would do that to a servant. Where's the love of God in that? You know why? Because you're reading it with your cranium and not your spirit. Jesus was never saying to be nasty to servants. He's saying that your physical senses who have been active all day are designed to serve your spirit man, not your spirit man serve your senses. That's what he's saying. He's saying that their job is to serve you. And once you've served the spirit, then you can have a say. Your job is to express your pers my personality and to connect me to the world because without a body and physical senses, I have no authority on earth, no connection to the world. So you have a place, but your job is not to leave me. Your job is to serve me. You had to serve my spirit. You had to give heed to what the spirit is saying and articulate his voice. And the servant at the, in the end just says, well, we are just unprofitable servants. We're just doing what the master would. And we think, oh, it's so sad. No, that's the role of the five physical, sense, physical senses. They play a role on earth and then their job will be done. And yet so many Christians are led and are meandering and feeding the physical senses. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel loved. Um, it's like, stop it. You keep feeding these beasts. Their job is to feed the spirit man. And you speak to your feelings, your mind, your will, your emotions, your physical senses, and you say, you will feed my spirit man. You will do as you're told. You will listen to the voice of the spirit and you will serve my spirit and then you'll have your say. Imagine if we all came to church like that. Woo! And that's why Paul says we come to church with a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. I don't think he's particularly saying that we should all come with a tambourine and have a, have a you know, like a talent quest. I think he's saying that we all come filled with the Spirit. We come led by the Spirit. We've heard from God. We've come ready to minister to one to another and to the Lord. Because we haven't been so obsessed with our body and our soul before we got to church. Unity take, play, takes place in the spirit. There's no unity in the soul and there's no unity in the flesh. That is a false unity. Yeah. Unity takes place in the spirit. We are joined to the Lord. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. That's why you and I can be totally different in every way, shape or form, but deeply joined together in spirit. And that's why I tell people, if you join to me in spirit and you leave me and you just walk out this church and never say goodbye and you sever a relationship, you have severed something in the spirit which is incredibly damaging, incredibly painful because there is a deeper link in the spirit than any other place. You understand it? That's why God says there shall be no divorce. And, and he's talking about man and woman. But when we come together, deeply linked together, it doesn't mean we can't move locations, but it's a way that we do it. 
And, and we don't understand that friendship and, and connections in the church is way deeper than any sporting club, any other place, because we are joined together by the Spirit of God. There is one body, one spirit, one Lord. And there comes a deep connection. Natural man, carnal man, and the spiritual man. How many people are spiritual men and women? Yeah. And I want to learn how to, how to make the spiritual man within me just come to life. The real man is a spirit. At, its, at his deepest being, there's lots of ways, and lots of people say this in different ways, and this is my take. I don't say it like this, man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. I, I think that's true, but I think it's a little bit clunky. I think at the deepest level of ourselves, we are a spirit being. When my soul shuts down, my spirit is still alive. So the deepest part of who I am, no man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man who is in him. So my spirit knows everything about me, knows my destiny, it carries the DNA of God, that's me in its truest es essence. And, and when I get to heaven, I will be a spirit being. We'll talk about this in a minute. But that's me at my deepest place. Man is a spirit. Man also has a soul, which is his mind, his will, and his emotions that expresses his unique personality. And he has a body that carries this. And one day we're going to get a glorified body. Amen? And so you need to get used to yourself. And love yourself. Yeah. Now, we'll be the, the high-definition version of ourselves, but we'll be ourselves. Yeah. Jesus, when he came back to earth, they recognized him. As I wrote in one of my new books, he didn't have a T-shirt that says, I am the Messiah. <laughs> they recognized him. That's Jesus. Why? Because he looked like Jesus. And so you need to love yourself. Don't, don't worry about the way you look. God thinks you're amazing. That's why he made you. He made in his image. So I look in the mirror and say, you're a handsome dude. Made in the image of God. I love you. I'm falling in love with you more and more every day. I could kiss you. You're amazing. Now, if you had known me when I was younger, there's lots of things. You know, I could I have a list of things that I could change in my body. But I've learned to love myself. Because in loving myself, I find true identity. Spirit, soul, and body. So man is a spirit. With his spirit, he contacts the spirit realm. Say, with my spirit, I contact the spirit realm. That's important, you know, because God is the spirit. And you can't contact God without your spirit. With his soul, he contacts the intellectual realm. And with his body, he contacts the physical realm. That being the case, we need to know how to develop the spirit in the next 10 or 15 minutes. I'm going to cram some stuff in. So how do we develop this spirit man that's within us? And is it okay if I call it the spirit man for all the women? Yes. I always feel awkward when I say that. It must be the new age world. The spirit person. <laughs> how do we develop this spirit man, spirit person that's deep within us? If you're taking notes, there's a number of things that we need to do. And we'll quickly cover this before we close. 
We need to locate our human spirit. We need to be able to train and educate our spirit. And then we need to be able to be led by this spirit. If you got that, we need to be able to locate where our spirit is. What does it mean? We need to be able to educate the spirit. And we need to be able to be led by the spirit. We know that man is a spirit, as I said before, because we're made in God's image. The Bible says that God is what? God is a spirit, right? And those, those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Peter says that the spirit is the inward man, the hidden man. So there's this spirit part of us that is covered and hidden, But it's not impersonal. So when we talk about God as a spirit, in many Christians' minds, I believe they see this impersonal, like, you know this fog over there? In the midst, there's like this, this strange spirit being that you can't see, you can't know. It's some impersonal force. But when it says God is a spirit, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a shape or a form. Why is this important? Because it's the same about our spirit man inside us. It's not some thing that's you know, stuck away, that's like a little bit of gas inside us. There's a, our spirit man has shape and form. In, in fact, some people, when they draw a person, they draw a man, and then they draw a spirit man outside that man, like two lines. Does that make sense? Two shapes. So God is a spirit. So he's not some sort of nebulous force. He is, the Bible says, well, put it this way. Jesus has a physical form. He says, flesh I'm made of now flesh and bone. Not flesh and blood, but flesh and bone. He lives in heaven. He has a physical form. No more so than the Holy Spirit and God. Just a different shape and form. The Bible says of God, he has a face and hands, Exodus 33. God has a spiritual form. And so when we imagine in our minds when we look to God, we're not looking for someone without shape and form. It's not like some voice out of, I don't know, Star Wars where there's this voice coming from up top that booms out. He is, he is a creative force. We are made in his image and we have shape and form. So God must have shape and form, but it's a spirit shape and form. Yeah. Is this making sense? Yeah. So we need to be able to locate the spirit, but understanding that our spirit man has shape and form. It's another dimension of who I am. So we ask God, Help me to locate my spirit today. One of the things about praying in the spirit is it helps us to locate that spirit. It helps us to realize that we're not just soul and body, but we are men and women of the spirit. And so as I give voice to the spirit man, that spirit man becomes more and more visible and understood in my life. Galatians 4 talks about a child who has no inheritance. But when the child becomes a son, it has inheritance. And that word child means one that doesn't speak. So when our spirit doesn't speak, our inheritance can't flow. When we speak in our heavenly language, it allows the spirit man to take form and shape in our life. Yeah. So we locate the spirit. Say with me, spirit man. spirit 
I'm looking for you. Now that sounds really weird to most Christians because they just don't do that. And that's why most Christians aren't victorious. Because they're operating from the soul. They're like mere men. But ours is a walk of the Spirit. The sons of God are led by the Spirit. So we locate the Spirit, we train and educate it. So how do we train and educate the Spirit? Well, number one, we've got to engage with the Spirit. We've got to legitimize the Spirit. And we've got to instruct the Spirit. That sounds like a whole lot. But we have to engage with our spirit man. We have to consciously engage and say to ourselves, I am a spirit man. My spirit man, I call you to attention right now. So I've been praying for people. And when I pray for them, I call this spirit man to attention. I don't want to pray to their soul. I want real change. So I say, spirit man, come alive. Now I'm asking you right now to take more and more ascendancy over the soul and the body. You're called to lead this mighty man of God. So I speak into your spirit, man. I say, come alive, come alive. And I begin to speak into it. All of a sudden it comes to attention. It's designed to lead us. So most people pray to the soul rather than praying to that which directs a man or woman is their spirit. So you begin to legitimize and engage with the spirit. Deep calls to the deep. So when I'm praying for someone, I'm praying into their spirit, not into their soul. I don't care what your soul's doing at the moment. Just take a park. I'm speaking to your spirit man. Rise up. And then I begin to instruct it. You say, this sounds a bit odd, Andrew. Well, let me tell you something. And, and here's, here's where I go a little bit left to some teachers. Some people believe, or most teachers teach, that when you're born again, your spirit man is perfect. Now, I totally believe that. Whereas a new, born again, they are a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. Over and over, Paul instructs that our spirit man is perfect. It's made, it's recreated in the image of God. It is righteous and holy. So here's the thing, if you can imagine. If I went back 25 years ago, imagine me when my first baby is born through Karen, my baby boy, Michael. And I held him, my, him, held him in my arms for the first time with his eyes wide open, screaming at me. <laughs> and I looked at him. He was perfect and complete. Was he not? It's like he was my son. He couldn't do anything more to be my son, made in my image. He could never be anything more than Michael McGrath. That's who he was. Perfect and complete. Perfect. He couldn't do anything more to be my son. He was it. He had all the inheritance, all my love and affection. He was complete as a person. And yet he was immature. He was only a day old. So in my spirit, man, it is perfect yet undeveloped. And we get born again. We think, well, that's just it. I'm a spirit man's. And so people teach that your spirit is perfect and complete, fully developed. And it's just not true. I don't see that in Scripture. Paul says that we need, he says that may our whole, in 1 Thessalonians, may God sanctify. That word sanctify is both to make holy, but also to bring change. Us, spirit, soul, and body. Notice the order. Spirit, soul, and body. Not body, soul, and spirit, but spirit, soul, and body. May you be sanctified. It said of Jesus that he grew in stature and favor with God and with man. 
That tells me that he's soul developed, that's the man side, and he's spirit developed, that's the God side. And as he grew as a man, from a baby to a man, his spirit was developing along the road with him. Are you getting this? So your spirit man can be perfect, but be a baby. So you walk into a room and you have no awareness spiritually of what's going on. And this is a tricky part. Both the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and your human reborn spirit is speaking to you. And they're both functioning together and yet separately. And as we develop our spirit man, we are able to engage with that and pick up everything that's taking place around us at a spiritual level. Baby believers have no idea. That's why they can pick up stuff and read it. And you think, how could you read that? They go into places and think, how could you go there? Now, get the context. I'm saying they expose themselves to things needlessly and they walk in and go, oh, it doesn't matter. What was the big deal? Why? Because their spirits are infants and they're soul-led and so they see no difference. Right. They are not aware spiritually of what's taking place. They don't even know what's, what's coming. And then they, 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 down the track, they have all these consequences and they don't join the dots together because they are spiritually illiterate because their spirit man is undeveloped. Are you getting this? So we have to educate our spirit. Paul talks in Ephesians 4.13 that we grow up in the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. All right. Hebrews 5.12 says, You have come to need milk and not solid food. Everyone who partakes in only milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, but he is a baby. For solid food is for the mature who have practiced, who have by practice had their senses trained to discern good and evil. And again, commentators say this is our physical senses. No, 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 no. As you read the word, as you partake, as you pursue the things of God, you begin to educate your spirit. As you pray in the spirit, as you read the word, you are both transforming your soul and you're educating your spirit. See, this book here is a mirror or entryway into who you are in the spirit. So as I read this, I am discipling and training my spirit man. With, when, with eyes of faith, I'm looking, ah, that's who I am. That's how I behave. That's how I function. And as I read this, things just come alive. And I run around the room thinking, this is amazing. I've just discovered who's, what's inside me. All these years, I didn't know. Wow. So how do, no man knows the things of a man except the spirit in him. So all of a sudden I begin to see that. Holy Spirit is showing me things to come. He's revealing who I am. It's amazing. We educate the spirit and we're led by the spirit. Here's, here's one of the keys. Paul says that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. The divine challenge is to get the mind and the spirit to work together. We are to be led by the spirit. We are to feed the spirit. We are to locate the spirit. We are to acknowledge the spirit. We are to speak into the spirit. But we still have a mind and a will and emotions that have to function. And you can't be led by the spirit until you know what to do with your soul. Amos 3.3 says two can't walk together unless they be in agreement. The Bible says that we are not to be unequally yoked. 
And that's talking about marriage, but it's talking about the soul and the spirit. That they must pull together. You know what it means to be unequally yoked? Is to have one oxen, one ox that is strong and dominant and the other one that is, that is not compatible. And so you have this, this tension. And so you can't be led by the spirit and have a soul that's unrenewed and out of order. It will never work. So to be led by the spirit necessitates that we be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And I believe Paul was saying, he's like giving us a picture of what it means for the two to come together and work in unity. That's how you're led by the spirit. I wrote a while ago that wherever the soul comes into agreement with this, the way God thinks, in that very area of thought, there's an entry point that is opened for the Holy Spirit to flow from our spirit into the conscious realm. So I educate and feed my spirit, but wherever I likewise educate and feed my soul, it creates an opening for that which is of the spirit to flow through the soul into my outer world. So in other words, if in my mind I believe that it's never God's will to prosper me, right? I just think that's a lie from the pit of hell. I don't believe that God wants to bless me. Then no matter what I do in educating my spirit, praying in the spirit, and in my spirit, man, I'm getting strategies for success. I'm getting downloads from God, but it can't flow through my soul because there's a blockage in my soul that repels all the work of the Spirit of God into my soul. Is that making sense? So I must renew my mind in every area so my spirit can flow through my soul. So I use that analogy of a plane being the spirit. And it's got this cargo on the plane and it wants to land, but it's, it's a jumbo jet trying to land on a runway built for a Cessna. And it's, it's got all these packages, but it can't land because the runway cannot take the load of the jumbo jet. Jesus said to the disciples, I've got so much to tell you, but you can't bear it. And so what happens is that we need to both educate the spirit and renew the soul so we can be led by the spirit and everything in the spirit can begin to flow. Is that making sense? So that's why it talks about the man and the woman. And so wherever you read about Eve and Adam, the man and the woman, you see this amazing deep picture of what is taking place inside you. My theory is that Eve never would have fell if Adam had have been with her when the devil spoke to her. So that tells me that if I am operating out of my soul throughout the day and my spirit's nowhere to be found, I am open game for the enemy. So the enemy can speak and I react. And so again, my theory is that Adam followed Eve knowingly. He wasn't deceived. He followed her because he loved her. The spirit has to follow wherever the soul takes it. So if your soul, by your mind, will, and emotions, takes you into realms that it shouldn't be, you're exposing your spirit. The Bible talks about the filthiness of the spirit. So you can, it's like you are putting your spirit in a place where it's like being contaminated or exposed to contamination and deep bruising that it does. The Bible talks about a crushed spirit. So you harm the spirit. It's still perfect. It's still alive. It's still made in God's image. You're still born again. 
but your capacity to hear from God has been contaminated because you keep taking it into places it doesn't belong. And it's shouting out to you, get out of here, but you can't hear it. Here's the last thing. The senses have limitations, but get ready, your spirit has none. So when we come to educate our spirit, this is what you're going to understand, that your soul will always have limitations. Listen to this. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him, listen carefully, because you've heard this verse a million times, who is able to exceedingly abundantly. How much? So that's unlimited, isn't it? Above all that you could ask or imagine. I ask and imagine in my soul according to the power that is at work within us. This power that is, at work, that is at work within us, which is in our spirit man, is unlimited. And what Paul is saying there is that your spirit is only limited by the, the, the amount that you can develop your soul. Because he says, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that your soul could ever conjure up. Because in the spirit man, it is unlimited. There is no limitations. There is nothing that you cannot do in the spirit realm. And so your job is to make sure your soul is a servant to your spirit and not a master. Jesus said, whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but they shall have the light of life. Isn't that amazing? The light. So when we were born again, our spirit man was made out of light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world and now you're the light of the world. And this light that's in you is my life and no darkness can overwhelm it. No sense knowledge, no work of the enemy, no limitation will ever overwhelm the man who lives in the spirit. And now you are the light of the world. I've placed my spirit in you. You have the Holy Spirit in your spirit and there is no limitation to those that would develop their spirit man. Proverbs says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. He has lit in your spirit when you're born again. And now you have this spirit man within you that wants to be acknowledged, that wants to be accessed, that wants to be educated, that wants to be trained, that wants to lead your life. So I pray prayers like this, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're in me today. Thank you that you live in my spirit. Thank you that you are filling my spirit with the very nature of God. And you've done that and you continue to do that. And so now I welcome your presence in my life. And now I acknowledge that I am a spirit being and I call my spirit to attention to lead this day. You have ears to hear, eyes to see. All my spiritual senses are alive to what you're doing and saying. There is no limitations in this spirit realm. So I choose to live by my spirit today. Soul, you shall serve my spirit. You will articulate everything that the spirit of God is saying to my spirit. Body, you'll come along for the ride. Behold, be healed in Jesus' name. Be a good temple for the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And you call your spirit to attention. So when you get around other people, you're ministering spirit to spirit. 
Not to their soul. You go beyond that. You don't get put off by bad reactions, by people that say, no, I don't want God in my life. Ha, I know there's something deeper in you. It's your spirit, man. And I speak into that dead spirit and I say, come alive in Jesus' name. Come alive. So wherever I go, I'm looking for that which is of the spirit and not that's of the flesh. Fantastic. God is good. Give the Lord a hand. So I want you to, I want you just as we close today, and we want to have music because that's fine. I think we can, we'll be cool. I want you just to picture as best you can your spirit man. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus, right now, wherever you sit, say, Jesus, come into my life. Recreate my spirit. Let, I want your life to make my dead spirit come to life. I receive your sacrifice on my behalf. You died that I would live. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Make me a new creation. The Bible says if you believe in your heart or in your spirit, and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. You can do that right where you sit or when you listen to this video. For those that are born again, I want you to picture your spirit man inside. Maybe your spirit man's been neglected. Maybe it's a little bit anemic. Maybe it needs some attention. So I want you to call it to attention and make reconnection with it because that's the real you. You know, you, you're, you, you, you exist on many levels and the deepest you, that which God responds to, is a spirit. You are a spiritual being. And we're so familiar with our body and our soul and now God's inviting us to walk in the spirit so you won't fulfill all the cravings of the flesh. So we acknowledge our spirit man this day. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to cause us to see afresh our recreated spirit, made anew in you. We call our spirit to attention, to hear and to fellowship with Holy Spirit, to come under his leadership and guidance. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that through our spirit, man, we are being transformed into the same image as Jesus, the same stature, the same likeness of Jesus, the same capacity as sons of God. So we say, spirit man within us, hear the word of the Lord, communicate to us, cause us to be sensitive in every aspect to the leadership that we have within our spirit. Wherever we walk, wherever we go, in tune, in step with you. Like Father, when you came in the cool of the day and you walked with Adam, so may our spirit man walk with you each day and be so sensitive. Lord, I know for many people today it's a new concept and it can be a little bit weird that people talking about spirit man, but Lord, this is your word. You've, you, you called us as sons of God to be led by your spirit. You recreated us in your image. And I'm asking that you would teach people as they cry out for understanding, teach all of us how to live by the Spirit. We welcome you now, Holy Spirit. So now I pray for each one and I call your spirit to attention. I ask that you would right now begin to assume more and more leadership in the lives of each person. I say to your soul, come alive 
be recreated and transformed and work, work in partnership and in submission to your spirit man. Lord, let there come divine alignment, spirit, soul and body. And then may the God of peace sanctify us and set us apart and change us. Spirit, soul and body, we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.